I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. I just have to start by saying, wow, 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 wow. I love this book. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. It surprised me a little bit um, how much I enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, too. I'm really excited to talk about it. So we're just going to be talking about chapters 1 through 11 for this episode, and then we'll wrap up the book um, on our next episode. So if you haven't, you have time to go pick up a copy of Euphoria by Lily King and get reading. Um, it's great. I don't think you want to miss it. And it's, I mean, it's a easy, like, I don't oh, think it's a so complicated read. Such an easy read. It's almost like, I mean, it, well, it's a very, I think, easy size of a book. Like it's not overly long by any means. But also, it's very, yes. um, I found it so engaging. And so, yeah, like you just want to keep reading. I just wanted to keep reading. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, and the language I think is very um, digestible. It's the ideas that I think are more complicated than the writing. So, mm-hmm. I think it's such an easy read, yes. but it's so there's so much there and I just can't wait to talk about it. It's I'm it like this book actually makes me really excited and I love when books make me excited. This book made me excited. Yeah, I'm really excited about this book and we don't have um what our next book is yet to announce right now, but we will soon. So we'll put that up on the podcast yes. as soon as or on the, on our Instagram, as soon as we do. So you guys can go pick up a copy of that as well. Um, so I want to get into it, but let's, let's get through our libation. So what are you drinking this evening? Okay. I am drinking, um, the Marchese Napa Valley Chardonnay 2020. Um, it has a beautiful bottle. It's very, um, I don't know. It's very vintage spring inspired. Um, it has like these beautiful marigolds. Nice. I don't know. I just love it. Oh, that is pretty. It's like a vintage art print, like floral art print. It's very pretty. Um, and it's really good. Yeah. I'm a sucker for labeling. So that one's nice. Yeah. I love it. It's it's pretty good. I just barely opened it. It's another one that I got from, you know, those like wine delivery subscription Oh, how nice that must I know. be. We talk about this every time yes. I talk about it, about how nice it is and how lucky I am, but uh, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, well, I am uh, I made myself an Aperol spritz. Oh, you did do it. You were thinking about it last time yes. and you, you went through with it this time. Yes. And I didn't have, then I had to go back to work and didn't have time. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good. I actually kind of wanted to do something hot. I've been, you might hear it in my voice. I hope I don't sound too scratchy, but um, our household has been a little ill mm-hmm. um kind of starting to get over it so i was like oh maybe something hot sounds nice but this i just wanted to go with this i love a good aperol spritz it's quite bougie but i enjoy it so that's what i'm drinking this very evening. good very good and the color the color goes so well with the book it does it's, i don't know i don't i haven't seen too many copies like different like covers of euphoria but i definitely love the what is the call it's obviously a, from that tree what is that tree called um, that has all the colors on the bark. I have, I don't know. Cause that's what this is. Um, and you see it, I've seen them in Hawaii. Um, really? but I, I swear that's what it is, is it's yeah. So there's trees like this, that the bark have all of these different colors on them. Let me see. There's always something in there about what the well, cover design the cover is. Des- I'll find the it. Cover well, design was at some by... point, but yeah, so it like matches the bright colors of the tree yeah because i think i don't know maybe we haven't gotten to this point maybe it's not through chapters one through 11 but where they they see um bankson's um where he lives and he has that tree that's running up yes. the middle yeah that's in the these chapters yeah is that the yeah. tree that so it's supposed it's, to be i didn't register that i think so because those kind of tree like those trees have all these colors i wonder what chapter that is i want to find it um well, I'm going to look for that. Why don't you kind of, so like, tell me what were your, 
What were your first thoughts of this, of, of chapters one through 11, or what's your first impression? <sighs> wow. Um, what was my first impression? Um, my first impression is that I clearly needed to know more about these <laughs> anthropologists that this book is kind of based on. Um, oh, yeah, Margaret Mead. She's interesting. She's, I don't. I only know like a, uh, what's the word, um, just a little bit, like a just a broad strokes, but... I know she she was married three different times mm-hmm. and every person and then she was in two relationships with other female anthropologists mm-hmm. um, and they were always like professional collaborations as well. Um, and I think that so there was um, in the 30s, there was a time where Margaret Mead and two other her husband and then another male anthropologist kind of all worked together. So it's like loosely based on that. But nothing else that really happens in the book is right uh, biographical yeah but and then she did she did like make a big stir um she wrote this book called coming of age in samoa and sex and temperament in three primitive societies and kind of just talked about you know adolescent sexuality and gender roles and how restrictive social mores are and yeah. it was found very provocative especially because it came out in the 30s but then she after like the 60s her her like views or results kind of were seen as a little cliche and out of out of favor so now she's not necessarily looked at as like I don't know she's she's still a trailblazer but I think that they still like big trailblazers super important but but still yeah, yeah she's viewed as like maybe a little bit blinded by her own subjectivity which like is something that comes up in this book a lot which I find really well, interesting. And I think the field of anthropology itself is like ripe for this. Like yes. I've always just like, it's interesting, but it's so, it seems so blind of itself. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, like I remember taking a couple anthropology classes in college and I'm like, why are you all old white men? Like, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's, it's so, it's such a, it's like you want to study and learn about other cultures, but how it's, like this field of it is so blind, in my opinion, to its own. It, it's like you have to be aware of how you can't really understand or know, but they don't seem to be really aware of that. And I think the book makes these interesting points about what's the right way to, to study people, what's the mm. wrong way. You know, yeah, it's there's so much to talk about from this book. Like you said, you may read it quickly, but then you'll continue to think about you know, just the different things that anthropology brings up and marriage and, um, you know, being gay and what, yeah, it's just so good. It's so good. The thing that I think is very clever about this book is that it's very, um, enticing and kind of sexy and uh intriguing yeah it is a sexy book plot wise too you know like i think even Mm -hmm. if you're not like looking for deeper conversations around anthropology and subjectivity and like how we view other cultures and how we place our like the ways that we place ourselves in other cultures sometimes are um kind of colonialism as well like even if you're not looking for those types of conversations i think this book is like extremely interesting because like the characters and their relationships are really interesting in this kind of exotic setting yeah i think so too like it's just and there's not interesting like i think fen is kind of set as the quote bad guy yeah but even then he's not always the bad guy you know what i mean like it's just he's a guy who i think everybody knows and yeah he kind of represents i think some of like the attitudes that I think we're all like very familiar with that are outdated and annoying, but doesn't necessarily make a bad person. I don't know. So yeah. like and I think Fen, yeah. Fen in case like if in case you're listening to this and you have yet to read the book and you're just kind of like wanting a general introduction. So the three main characters of the book are it's Nell, who is supposed to be this Margaret Meadish kind of character who's this young female anthropologist who's made a lot of waves. She just published her first book. It's been getting a lot of reviews, and they're located in Papua New Guinea. She's 
she's there with her husband, Fen, who is an Australian anthropologist. And then... And they met on this, like, boat and had this whirlwind romance. And I love, like, sorry to interrupt, but I love how they met and how they're, like, kind of trapped on this boat together. And they basically just spend this whole time talking with each other. And meanwhile, she has had this relationship with this other female anthropologist named Helen. Mm -hmm. And Helen has, like, left her husband and is Mm -hmm. ready to be with Nell and is awaiting for Nell when she is supposed to depart the ship. And Nell departs with Fen and, like, kind of makes her choice. And it's interesting how they talk about Helen. Like, at first, like, Fen knows, but, like, he, when he brings it up to Bankson, he doesn't bring up that helen was a woman Mm -hmm. he just makes it like he's he you know this person was waiting for now but then she departed with fan and now they're together he kind of fails to bring up the like woman part Mm -hmm. and then Nell discloses that later to bankson but i just think that i think their their origin story is interesting well it is really interesting especially because there's sections in the book too where she talks about kind of her frustrations of having to choose like why did she have to choose? Why did why did Fen need her to be just his? And why did Helen need her to be just hers? Like, why mm-hmm. it, this kind of frustration with monogamy that you see pretty early on with Nell, I think is really interesting yeah. um, and compelling, considering also the people that she's studying who don't... S- fit into in a lot of ways are like western standards of like appropriate relationships or like normal relationships so it's it's just interesting too because it's like you see this um kind of outdated old society and viewpoint but then it's almost like it's even more forward thinking in some ways than our own because there's this exposure to such vastly different cultures um, that it, it's just, it's interesting. It's, it kind of reminded me of Nightwood a little bit in like, sure, yeah. in, the, in the way that this is a, you know, set in the 1930s. But the ways that people kind of like exited or detracted from, you know, their societal norms in in these interesting ways which i think that this whole story is kind of about that in the different ways and interesting ways that nell especially kind of just overcomes or surpasses kind of expectation for what a woman in the 1930s is kind of supposed to do and supposed to be and especially in her relationship with fen because he's frustrating in so many ways like he's so sexist in weird ways and doesn't take her seriously yeah but at the same time like she's the woman who's calling the shots it's her grants that are getting them around it's her and he's obviously threatened by her like in many ways like so threatened he he shields information from her like as if she's gonna steal it in a Mm -hmm. professional way he um doesn't take her seriously when she feels uncomfortable with uh, within a group of people like the whole book is kind of starts off with the fact that they're with a community that frightens and uh depresses now and oh yeah i love how i mean i love the first chapter like if it doesn't like if this doesn't grab you like i i question you a little bit like it starts as they were leaving the Mumbano, someone threw something at them. It bobbed a few yards from the stern of the canoe, a pale brown thing. Another dead baby, Fen said. He had broken her glasses by then, so she didn't know if he was joking. I mean, there's so much in those, like, however many words. So it's like, wait, he broke her glasses? How did he break her glasses? Mm-hmm. Why did he break her glasses? That's not, that seems strange yep. to describe it that way. She didn't say my glasses or her glasses had been broken by then. It's he had broken her glasses. Yeah. And then how he says another dead dead baby, and she doesn't know if he was joking, which means he likely could have been serious. There's just as much so. They like they probably have seen dead babies being tossed around. Yeah, like it's just like, and you learn more about it obviously later about this these group of people and who they were spending time with, and but it's like, what the hell's going on? Like it's Mm -hmm. it's really 
it she just grabs you right away i feel like every there's no like dull points does that make sense like there's not even when there's some backstory being given or um what's that word when you're trying to like catch people up like exposition yes like it's just all interesting you know it's funny that you say that because i agree i agree fully i find this book to be captivating and very interesting but it was funny because i had looked up on like goodreads to see what people thought Mm -hmm. about this book and yeah you know just your normal people because anybody can leave a review obviously and some of the reviews that I read just had me puzzled. Like here, I'll really? Just, like like what? Oh, I'll just I'll just pull yeah, some. Yeah, re- let's just, just one read, second. This is fun. Let's like read some one <laughs> one star reviews. Um, like one says, I don't know how this book has pers- has received so many great reviews. It was painful to get through, hard to connect with any of the characters, and utterly boring. It lacked substance and heart. Or, um, what? <laughs> let's see, this one says that it just didn't strike a chord, that it just was like, meh, that it was boring, that it was a slog. Worst book I've ever read. <laughs> boring. Characters. Oh, well, and I'm sure these people like the maidens. Like, seriously, I'm sure that's their favorite I know, book. I know. Like, give me a boring. break. Boring. Characters uninteresting and unlikable. No plot. Nothing happens. Ending of book, not an ending. Okay. I don't even know. Like, that's ridiculous. I I, I disagree vehemently with all of those things. Like, I think all the characters are fascinating and especially with like their backstories. Mm -hmm. Like, none of it was irritating to me. None of it. Like, we spent a lot of time with Bankson and like his backstory and his two brothers. And like, I found it all so... Yeah, I love the character of Bankson. Even when he's frustrating, I love him. And I love how much we learn about his older brothers. You know, one dies in the war, in World War One, And then another one commits suicide in Piccadilly Circus. And, I mean, his and like his relationship with his mother and his father. Like, I, I just find it all really interesting. And I find it really sets up the tone for this book of, like, how important community is. And it's, like... There's, you know, the communities that they're studying. Mm-hmm. There's the community that they form with the three of them. Mm-hmm. There's the community of like Nell and Bankson and then Bankson and Fenn. Like I think their interactions with each other are interesting mm-hmm. and Nell and Fenn. Like it's, and I think Margaret Mead has this quote. I don't, I don't know verbatim, but it's something about like something that's common with people all over throughout time is like you always want there to be somebody who worries if you don't come home at night, Mm -hmm. like something like that. And I think that that just goes throughout this book, you know, of like that important sense of community. Cause when we meet Bankson, he's just tried to kill himself by wading into a water with stones and the tribe that he's been living with, save him and like kind of make fun of him. Like, no, 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 you don't go swimming with rocks. Yeah. How silly of you to do that. You you stupid man. Like that's not how you swim. Like, I don't know. And I mean, it's funny. Like he's trying to kill himself, but it's funny. And, and then he sees Nell and Fenn at this, it sounds, it sounds like some sort of like embassy party or something, which that's the whole, more topics about that is like these white people are here in New Guinea and they're studying these people, but then they're also part of these groups that are there to colonize and make mines. I mean, the whole talk about mines is really interesting that we'll talk about that in the next podcast, but like yeah, there's just so much in this book. There's so much there's to talk so much. about. I think that you're right on the nose, though, too, about, like, community and relationships and how you see that come forward in, like, negative ways or um, kind of mm-hmm. desperate ways. Like, Bingson in particular is kind of – he's just desperate for attention when he runs in – And company. And company and, yeah. and – um, and then he also has these kind of supercharged interactions with Nell. Like their chemistry is kind of yeah. just off the charts, like sparking out of the pages. I found this book like super, super erotic. Like yes. I love when you get to have those interactions and they're not necessarily, they can be like if you're sexually attracted to the person, but I just love when you have interactions with people where it's like, all you want to do is talk to each other. Mm-hmm. 
Like, and you're so excited about sharing your ideas and hearing theirs. And that spins you off. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that. And I find that it's, I mean, I found their interactions like super engaging and erotic. And it's like, wow, like huge chemistry right off huge the bat. Huge chemistry. Like, and, and not in And great- it's so simple too. Like, it's as simple as them noticing something about the other person. It's as simple as mm-hmm. like an act of him giving her his brother's glasses, you know, like yeah. these acts. I and know. It's actually, it's like very sweet and, and heartbreaking. Taking care of her wounds. Taking care of her wounds, being like, so concerned about them, like from the beginning. And then these like kind of lingering stares that are so knowing at the beginning of this novel of like them both being aware of this like chemistry and desire for whether or not it's sexual desire like we don't really know at the beginning of the book but like this desire for just being near each other is so supercharged and interesting and relatable like it's just so like of course like you just you meet people sometimes that it's just it is like sparks whether it's romantic or not and you just need to be like near each other like it's just like this engaging somebody who understands me who is trying to understand me even or is interested Mm -hmm. in my thoughts who like wants to hear what I have to say it's like it's so something I think everybody desires and it's when it happens it's really engaging and then there's also like the complicated nature of like when that happens when you're in a relationship you know and like how you handle that and um I just thought this book was really interesting because those are aspects of humanity that I think this book, you know, this book is about anthropologists who are kind of trying to apply like a scientific observation sometimes to human behavior. And there are just certain things that I think that you just cannot have a perfect explanation for. And that kind of chemistry between people is one of those things that I just think that there's not necessarily an explanation for. It just happens and it just is chemistry. It's just cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, I I think it's, it's just how the first chapter ends sets it up for you being aware that this is kind of what we're going to have between Mm. not just Nell and Bankson, but just Fenn and Nell and Bankson that these three they're going to have this chemistry, which can create this, like it's this electricity, which is both good and bad, right? Like it can produce things, which we'll talk about in the next podcast. And it can also destroy things. Um, and I love how it ends. The first chapter says without her, like, so then we've got this like shifted voice. I love how Lily King kind of shifts around the voices and how she uses kind of these diary entries Mm -hmm. for now, like it really, but like really clear to follow. Like she doesn't make it complicated to follow. And I think it all makes sense. Yeah. Like none of it seems like I'm switching it up just for the sake of switching it up. Yeah. Um, but it ends without her glasses. My face would have been little more than a pinkish smudge among many, but she seemed to know it was me as soon as I lifted my mm-hmm. head. So then you're like, well, who, who is it? Like, I don't know. It just, it sets it up right off the bat. And I love his story. And then three days earlier, I'd gone to the river to drown myself. Mm-hmm. Like, everything just keeps it just keeps popping at this great pace yeah like which makes it really easy to read because you're like oh what like I don't know I stayed up way too late reading this book some nights and I got through it like I don't know two or three days because I just kept one more chapter just one more mm-hmm. like because it just keeps you popping like it's really good yeah. well and then too like you get kind of attached in the same way that these anthropologists are getting attached to these communities mm-hmm. and I was really like struck by the interactions that she has with these communities and especially the moment is it chapter 10 that um the one of the women or maybe it's chapter nine that one of the women gives birth and then it's it's one of those chapters that are diary entries. And there's this incredible, oh, like, right. two-page description of... Chapter 9, yeah. yeah. it's chapter 9 um, of this birth that happens. And we know prior to this that Nell 
has had a miscarriage. Has had a miscarriage. That there's this like, and then there's like a weird thing about a yeah, like there's like a miscarriage, and it sounds like there's maybe been more than one, and like she desperately. I mean, when they meet Bankston, she's like, we have the stench of failure about us. Yeah. Like this is obviously something that they've been wanting and trying for, and she holds as. Like, I don't know if goal's the right word, but well, it's, it's a uh, desire that she has. And it's also to, maybe yeah. like a, like, I think it's normal, especially in the 1930s, for maybe her value to be kind of associated yeah. with, like, an ability to create life. And then also her relation, her sexual relationship with Fen is really complicated. There's, like, what I would argue is a scene of sexual assault in like yeah. the second maybe well no i think it's like the first chapter um between her and fen when they get to the i don't know the affluent they like basically exit the community and they're staying on a bed and then he has sex with her like way before she's physically or emotionally or mentally even like ready and prepared and there's like blood and like it's violent like she's not ready for it and it's see it feels like violent in a lot of ways between this husband and wife and it was really sad but then like there's also again this desire for pregnancy that she has and that he has that is heartbreaking and sad so it like I don't know. It, it brings up a lot of questions of kind of like what is she dealing with and going through for this like desired outcome. Yeah. But then, um, yes, this um, conversation about this woman giving birth and it's like kind of this beautiful story of how she's not being excluded from it. Um, and, you know, these taboos are kind of like lifted because she's giving birth on a beach like this woman and then the next four days, so it goes from, you know, February 12th to February 16th, and the baby dies. And it's, you just feel her despair, like her care for the community, for this woman, that, and the, for this baby that she helps birth. And then just the tragedy of like how much death she's seen and how much specifically death in children that she's seen since she's been here observing these people in this peninsula or this island like it's it's just kind of crazy and it's really affecting like I read this chapter the other night and I audibly gasped and like dropped my book yeah like it was harrowing and so sad and just and then, you know, it's like she can't let it go. So, like, we, can, we can't really let it go. You know, she's still writing about it several well, days and, later. Yeah. And then chapter 10 starts with she dreamed of dead babies. Babies on fire. Babies well, caught in web of trees covered in ants. Yeah. Like, like, it's like all these different ways. Yeah, she gives all these. Uh, that it's know. haunted her. But. And. Well, and she says there had been five with the Anapa, 17 with the Mumbano, and now Solly's. 23 dead babies. Mm. 24, if she counted her own. A dark clump wrapped in a banana leaf and buried under a tree she'd never see again. It's so, like, so sad. So sad. So emotionally evocative. And I just kind of couldn't get over it. But it's also, it's so simple. It's so simple. Like... Well, and it's it, it's amazing yeah. how um, I think Lily King can like kind of evoke this emotion in such a short period of time. She's not belaboring any point, you know. She just makes it in a very simple and effective way. And I thought it was really emotionally touching and um, really, really, really helped me like connect and feel even more sympathy than I already did or empathy with the character now. And also the the way, I don't know, just the, the interesting position she's in as this anthropologist. She's trying to, like, join the community but remain objective. But how kind of impossible that can be. Because how are you, how are oh, you yeah. supposed to I be mean, objective like, about after, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. 
Oh, I think that, yeah, that's part of the point is like, it's impossible. Like you're blind to, like you may have all these intentions, but you're blind. I mean, so she has this happen and they're talking about Solly's baby and then Fen and her are talking about the fact that they don't have a baby and kind of the faults of it. Mm. And then she talks about, she's talking to Bonnie, who is part of the tribe and he's like fixing their breakfast. And apparently he's not really, so they're staying with this tribe of Tam people. And he's not a Tam by birth. He was a Yesen stolen by the Tam in a raid in retaliation for the kidnapping of a Tam girl and a Yesen man was in love with. And then he was less than two when it happened. So then she asks him like about, about that. And like, do you see your mother? And he's like, sometimes if I go to the market, she's skinny. And then he's, she's like, you know, how do you feel when you see her? I feel happy. I'm not skinny and ugly like she. And then she says, and she, what does she feel? She feels our tan women ask too much for fish. That is what she says every time. Mm. And then Fen starts bitching at him for not being quick enough. And she's like, hey, cut him a break. And so it's just interesting how, like what we're just talking about with this objective, like mm. she's trying to find all of these different connections in this human experience, because that's one way to feel less alone, right? Yeah. Is if you can connect it. And she is seeing death and she's experiencing her own and, and then so let's try and connect with someone who's lost their mother and this mother has lost a child. And it's like, you can't, you know, I think it's a little, I really like Nell, I do too. but you see her kind of naivete in some of these situations of like, you, you, you can live with these people and she's obviously very kind and she feels like it's important to work with people to come with like self-actualization. And, you know, she makes I don't remember what it is exactly, but some point about like, I want to study people. Like I'm not a zoologist and part mm -hmm. of being people is that we think and grow and evolve and can be self-actualized and, and, you know, and, and like go through analysis. And so she's trying to do that and connect with people, but doesn't really, I think, notice her own inabilities to do that just because of who she is and what her point is. You're here to study, like you're here studying people it's hard to connect with them when you're already in that role. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and so she's always going to feel that loneliness because she can't connect with Fen in that way. Mm -hmm. She can't connect with the people, the other people she's living with, but she kind of does with Bankson. And so I think that's part of what's so appealing about their relationship is like, she finds that connection with Bankson and that makes her feel less lonely. I agree. And it's, I think with Fen and her relationship with him and like, I think part of why, they're so distanced from each other is because some of the things that he's interested in as an anthropologist are horrifying to her as a woman. Right. And like justifiably, yeah. like it would be difficult to like understand why someone would be so interested in these things. Like when they first, um, go to Bankson's house, you know, like his kind of hut, that he's living in and Fen falls asleep and so it's just her and Bingson staying up like through dawn just talking to each other. Um, they're talking about the Mombano that they were living with that she just, you know, couldn't deal with, you know, anymore. And she explains why and it's totally understandable. But she says, you know, that her account would be very different from Fen's and she yeah. says, I'd never had an aversion to people before. Almost a physical repulsion. I'm not a neophyte to the region. I've seen death, sacrifices, scarrings that end badly. I'm not... She looked at me wildly. They kill their firstborn. They kill all their twins. Not in a ritual. Not with emotion and ceremony. They just toss them in the river. Toss them in the bush. And the children that they keep, they barely tend to. They carry them under their arm like a newspaper or plunk them in stiff baskets and close the lid. And when the baby cries, they scratch the lid. That's their most tender gesture, the scratching on the outside of the basket. When the girls are seven or eight, their fa fathers start to have sex with them. No surprise, they grow up distrustful, vindictive, and murderous. And Fen, he was intrigued. Yes, enamored, enamored, utterly compelled. I had to get him out of there. And I think that that, what kind of an a terrifying environment it would be. And like, right. to know that the person that you are married to and are supposed to love, like, is more intrigued by these things than horrified. But then it also brings in the complicated nature of their jobs, 
where they're not their job isn't to assign their own morality on these cultures you know and determine if they're good or bad people necessarily um but as a like but when you see a community that's like specifically kind of uh endangering certain people in their population whether that be women or children like that's also a really hard thing to be objective about and I think actually so like Audra and I kind of talked about before we started recording about how we were surprised that this hasn't been made into a movie but I think this is kind of some of the stuff that would make this hard to be made into a movie because yeah because some of these things are like so horrific that I think it would be kind of hard to put this on screen, especially because it's supposed to be like these tribes and people of color. And I think that we are just so limited by the stories that we see that I don't know how beneficial it would be to show this, you know, I think probably realistic portrayal maybe of some of these groups, but like, I don't know, like, you just wouldn't want that to be your picture of, like, what all of these communities are, and it just, it's hard. Like, this would be a really hard thing to play well, on screen I think, with the same I nuance. I think that's why, yeah. Well, and I think that's why, I mean, these these aren't real, these aren't real tribes. Yeah. Like, this, this isn't, like, the, and I think that's part of the point, which is, which is good, um, because you... The, the information that you would get from anthropologists studying at that time would all be, you know, it, it's tainted with, with colonial colonialism and racism. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think it's, it's a good thing that she didn't make like base this off of like real historical tribes. Yeah. But I mean, there's clearly like some inspiration I want to say, quote unquote. Well, sure. I mean, and it's set in New Guinea and they talk about Australia a lot. And like, I mean, and you can just look at like who Margaret Mead spent time with because this is like loosely based on Margaret Mead and yeah, and her life. But yeah, no, I agree. Um, switching a little bit. I also really like, because we kind of just start to get a little bit of it before chapter 12. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that there's something going on with like, so Bankston takes them. So they want to leave. They want to go to Australia. Bankston is so desperate for company. So he tells them he'll help them find a tribe to stay with and steady. And also it just points out a little bit the silliest silliness of them. They want, you know, it's like they go around to all these different tribes and pick the best one to stay with. And they want one that's like on a pretty beach that makes pretty art basically. And they finally stay at the Tam and it's upriver from him. <laughs> I'm like, okay, give me a break. Like, and then they set up basically an English tea house <laughs> for them to live. They have all this crap they have like that they thousands have. of books, all these native people. Yeah. All these native people have to cart through New Guinea for them so that they can live. And I mean, and on the one hand, it's like she, you can tell it's all with the best intentions, but then again, doesn't see a little bit of the ridiculousness of like, you know, and, and Bankston brings it up. He's like, they've got people in the tribe working for them. There's a cook and someone who does the laundry and someone who does this. But then also that gives them more time mm. to do all this research. So I see how efficient this is. So it's kind of this like, it's it, it's just, it points out, I think, some of the ridiculousness of it without being high-handed about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Bankson makes the point of, I thought anthropology was just like nose to the grindstone but Nell looks at it like her head's up in the air, swiveling around, looking in all directions and kind of living in the way she lives enables her to do that. Um, but anyway, where I was going with that, I'm trying to remember the chapter, but she, you know, Fen goes out and carves canoe with the mm. men and does hunts. And she goes and visits all the women and the children and goes like house to house to house. And she goes to one house one time and she goes to the first, to the last house yes. first today. Yes. And because she says, by that time, I'm usually tired and my notes aren't as good. So I'm going to start there. And it's too long to like read all out. But basically, it's kind of like how I pictured it is like the last house is now like turned into like a hot house a little bit. Like a what do you call that? Like a yeah, like so they're making the house really hot and it's 
it's dark and there's all these women in there and I mean you kind of figure out what it like you have your inclinations of what this is going on and then you are rewarded with that in the last half of the book but I think it's really interesting and like her interactions with women and I mean to me it seemed obvious that like they're engaging in something sexual with each other like all of these women and Nell is not um allowed in which of course she's not um but and I think part of the reason that seems obvious to me is right before she talks about this she's kind of talking about you know the just the reversals of like sexuality compared to Mm. you know in America or England or Australia like um she says yesterday Shanta explained to her that he could not go visit his sick nephew in the far hamlet because his wife's vulva would go wandering if he did. <laughs> they were grand on the word vulva. When Nell asked if an elderly widow would ever marry again, several people said at the same time, has she not a vulva? Girls themselves decided whom they would marry and when. Fenn disagreed with every conclusion she drew on this topic. He said she was blinded by her desire mm. to see them this way, which I think says more about Fenn than anything else. Yep. Um, Cause she's got all this evidence but yeah, I think it's, well, she has all this, uh, I, I think she, she has all this evidence that the women in this community hold a lot of the cards and a lot, like they choose yeah. who they marry. They like, they have more power. And of course, Fen doesn't agree with her because she holds all the cards in their relationship yes. and it seems that way to Fen and Fen doesn't want that to be true. And so of course he doesn't want to like reinforce for her. Oh yes, there's a whole society here that operates that way and it works just great because heaven forbid that you know Nell's making the money Nell's the one that's famous Nell's the one that's calling the shots like well and he oh no and he totally like he feels emasculated by her and then he overcompensates in so many ways like when he is with the men and he's helping build a canoe or something you know she goes and talks to him and then he starts and he's got his shirt off and he kisses her and then he starts touching her like in front of these men and it's like a show like he's showing off to Mm -hmm. them the power he has over her and it's just like gross it's well and she makes a great point too um Nell makes an observation where she talks about how Fen like doesn't want to be an anthropologist he wants to be a native he like wants yeah. to fully he wants to immerse himself yeah he wants to fully immerse himself in this culture which he is choosing to view as maybe even more like male dominated than western yeah. culture because like in his own relationship with Nell he feels emasculated so he wants to be a part of a, a maybe a culture where he's not going to feel that way and then of course he pushes back when she makes out points of like well no that's like actually not how this community is run and women do have like power and status and he pushes back on that because like i think he just doesn't want to believe it (coughs) pardon me yeah i agree i think it's part of what's fun maybe that's not the right word but works well in the book too is it's not done in a pat way, but like different things that they're studying or experiencing or learning about as they live with the Tam people. It's, it's not necessarily directly lining up with everything going on in their relationship, but it, it heightens it in some ways. It calls Mm -hmm. attention to it or it Mm -hmm. distracts it. Like it's an interesting, you know, Petri dish that they're in. They're there to study people, but really it's their relationship and their viewpoints that are being examined and being called to question and that they're having to self-analyze and like, you know, and, and I think that's more what they're focusing on too, as much as she's obviously a very dedicated, smart woman, great anthropologist for what that field is. Like, I think it brings the point that most of what they're doing is examining themselves. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, um, which, which I think makes sense, right? Like I think that, but it, but it also kind of leads into this problematic, aspect of ownership too over like communities and what they mean like and that they talk about that a lot about like how they're trying to find a community and they're like judging these communities like based off of like oh their art's not good so they're not worth our time 
or like what are these people right. going to give or Bankson already has this like it's already your tribe yeah. and, he, and I love how Bankson's like it's not like I don't own these people yes. you can stay with me too like but they're determined to like carve their own mark it's like but oh it's, you're discovering but it's using people. these people as like a commodity and discovering mm-hmm. them like as yeah. if like they're discovering a new species like it's weird and it's gross but it's also like okay like i get i get it like i get that like you want have a career and this is like your set kind of like perspective of what will put you out there as far as like an anthropologist or an author and someone who's being published and like it's it's something that's like understandable and relatable and like but I think the problem is that they're so busy, like, trying to examine these, like, human cultures that they're not seeing the humanity in the cultures. And they're instead using these people as a reflection on their own Western culture. And yeah, a lot of that is going to be, very clearly, to the detriment of these societies and these cultures. Because something that we have to, like, think about is this book is set in the 1930s. And how many of these people have been like how much of this culture has been lost because of this exact thing like them visiting it and studying it and trying to preserve or like study these cultures is exactly what has led them to the people that are going to drive that culture out of them and they talk about this a little bit when they talk about missionaries and they talk about how the missionaries Mm -hmm. got to them already but they're bringing the missionaries there just as much as anything by studying yeah it's funny the different levels of like snobbery with it like obviously nell holds her and fen above like like just right when the book starts like the wives that are on the boat that they get onto who you know are are probably wives of people who are there running mines or running security or whatever and then she holds herself above the missionaries and it's just it's funny when they're all kind of there to uh what's the word exploit people yes (laughs) it's just in a different a different because like this way of because the studying of them isn't necessarily appreciation you know like it's it's trying to make a splash or like i don't know like apply meaning on something that they don't understand yeah it's like i i think some of their motives are like i think nell's motives are pure but that doesn't excuse like it doesn't make it any less problematic yeah. which makes it which make part of what makes the book good because again you i really like the character now yes exactly but then it's like ah you see so many things but then you don't see the things you need to see like not yeah. only when it comes to what she's doing, but like Fen and Bankson, like, and then you realize, okay, maybe she does see a little bit, but you're like willing to overlook some things yeah. for the greater good, which how many awful things have been done for the greater good. So yeah, it just brings up all these problematic questions. Like, but then the story's so great yeah, and of course. charming and sexy and adventure. Yeah. It's, it's really it's really well, well done. I really I like do it. Too. And, and like, of course she's going to be in the 1930s and like the world that she exists in and the, and the things that she's been exposed to, like, of course she's kind of going to view this profession that she's chosen the way she does. And in a way yeah. it's an escape for her in the same way. Like I think she's trying to escape some of the Western uh, limitations that are yeah. put on her and um this helps her do that in a way but also too i think it's really interesting because there's a lot of conversation too which like i think we'll get into more in the latter half but the cultural difference is like even bigger than just western versus like these native indigenous cultures it's like the difference between yeah. being an Englishman or an Australian or an American. And like, yes, American. The, yeah. the, like, the conversation of being an American is so interesting in this book. And like, I think we will have a lot to discuss in that way. But it's just, it's interesting to see like all of these different classifications of kind of propriety yeah. and um, where the characters fit in that and how they try to escape it, maybe. And, I just, I can't get enough of this book. 
like I just think it is yeah. so good. It made me think so hard about um not trying to understand it necessarily, but just like the complicated just how complicated things get and how um I don't know, just how complicated people are everywhere around the world and how complicated we make our lives sometimes and um I just I can't I can't get enough of this book I'm so 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 glad that you picked this book thank you like I just have to thank you I really (laughs) this is so good (laughs) you're welcome I mean it was between this I can't remember what the other one I put up with I remember I texted you with it um so really you picked it because it was between this or one other um but really enjoyed it I'm really excited to finish like to talk about next week with it so that we can kind of because man what Mm. a you haven't finished it yet but the last half of the book man it just Mm. boom 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 Mm -hmm. boom it's really Mm -hmm. good so um if you guys haven't already please go pick up a copy of euphoria by lily king from your local bookstore um get reading like i said you can get through it really quickly it's it's great and that way you can be caught up in for our next episode and then we will post on our instagram the book we will be discussing after euphoria but you've got a little bit of time so um yeah i'm excited to to wrap this up so Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. we will yeah talk about it next weekend yes Yes, we will or next week next friday can't wait okay thanks everybody thank you bye